Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Carraway. And Lisa Tate. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC Flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? Amazing. Radio. Welcome to It's M Amazing Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Law. Happy to come to you on this fine Labor Day to talk about the 300th fucking time we've put that labor in, guys. So I'm calling this show for us labor. It really isn't. Welcome to episode 300, everybody. Do-do-do-do. A labor of love. Indeed. Oh, very good. Very much so. We're all here, folks. DJ Mark's here. Do do yep. doing over there. Yep. You got Kid Presentable talking uh, about labors of love. Here by a minor miracle. Might not have been here, but fortunately I am. That's right. We'll talk about that a little later, maybe. And hasn't said anything yet, because quite frankly, he's a little bit late over there, but he's here. Lavender Gooms is here. Happy Labor Day, guys. Yes. Thank you. Everybody out there, you got this, got this day off because of unions. Don't forget. Um... Yeah, guys, episode 300, we started this podcast back in March of 2012. Um, the, the, epi- the website itself, we started in November of 2011, um, which I remember the first thing we did was for that was we went up and uh, right before uh, Steph and Mark and I went to UFC uh, 138, I believe, uh, sure. 139. 139. Um, we did our predictions article. So, uh, what was that event? Out of curiosity, Shogun and Hendo. Ah, that was a good one. That was the start of five round main events. Yeah. So, episode one of It's M Amazing Radio um, came to you on March eleventh, two thousand twelve. Um, to give you an idea of what we talked about, uh, here's our first uh, description episode description. The very first episode of It's M Amazing Radio. The gang talks about. Bellator 60's controversial ending. Jesus Christ. What the fuck Who was that? Somebody figure out what happened to Bellator 60. Um, the future of Bellator. A lot of Bellator talk. Uh, and Hector Lombard. Oh, the premiere of Tough Live on FX. And Rampage Jackson losing his mind. These are such vague descriptions of shit. Some of it I'm just like, we could have talked about that last week, quite frankly. Yeah, some of these still apply today. Six years later. Uh, that 16 or 60? When Joe Warren versus Pat Curran. Was that oh, controversial? Was that the one where Joe, Joe, uh, Pat Curran beat his ass for about 45 seconds straight where we thought it should be a stoppage? I'm wondering the circumstance where I was watching Bellator, too. Like Slow week. Yeah, I, I think that I, I have a memory of Pat Curran beating Joe Warren senseless. And all everybody thinking that's going on a bit long. KO in the third round. That sounds about right. I don't know what other things I'd complain about, quite frankly, on that card. Uh, Marlon Sandro, yeah. back to Marlon Sandro, was relevant. Um, yeah, March 11, 2012, uh, took us um, six and a half years to get to episode 300, which the math kind of adds, uh, kind of works out there, quite frankly, if you're doing a weekly podcast where you miss about... Steady pace. When you miss about three to four episodes a year. Um, happy to do it. I kind of... Uh, I was telling my friend, I was like, you know, one, eventually one of us will come to their senses and this thing will come to an end. Um, we don't know when that is, though. So we still like doing it. Can so we make it, it 500? 
I honestly, my goal, and this is a weird goal to have, was I wanted our episode number to pass whatever UFC we were on. No, well, mission accomplished. Yeah, we did. We, I think I think that was about a year ago, maybe a little bit longer, maybe when we pulled that off. In that uh, Bellator 60 event, Sean McCorkle fought at a catchweight of 280 pounds. Ooh, McCorkle came in thick. They had a lot of catchweight fights. There was a real scale problem, it looks like, on this card. Got to make it work. Yeah. Um, yeah, okay. Um, but, yeah, um, we really, I mean, despite Mark's, Mark's promises, as you guys know, you guys know this show. Uh, we make promises and don't don't live up to how special our podcast is going to be. I think so, we lived up to it. Yeah, we, we talked. Talk, we talked about three hundred episodes for a good ten minutes here. That was the opening. That's true. Congratulations, <laughs> you enjoyed it. Now back to our normally scheduled programming. Yeah, we, Bob. Just one more question. I know you said you. Uh, I think you listened to the first podcast again. Was it? Uh, I did that. I, oh, I listened to the first podcast a couple weeks ago. I listened to a different episode a couple hours ago for a little bit. That made me sad, but I did. Our first podcast is terrible. Yeah, how many pregnant pauses and ums were there? Oh, we, we probably still do a lot of these things, but back then. <laughs> going to say, just like the Jackson story back then, a lot of these still apply today. Uh, yeah, um, it was bad, though, man. We didn't have, we had no rhythm at all. It was just, you know, it was fucking awful. Um, I did not, I mean, I barely know what I'm doing now. You know, as you guys know, we get at least one false start a week minimum. Um, uh, but pff, I guarantee you back then, it was I was hanging on by the skin of my teeth. Uh, probably, you know, it was terrible. Um, anyway, so this is by the, this is the chat. This is the banter you guys get when, uh, Ariel Helwani hasn't done a podcast yet this week and news hasn't come out of it. You know, he's not doing a show till Tuesday. So here we are. We're all gearing up for the event. Exactly. That's why we, we, I mean, we can pull the curtain back. You know, we had our weekly meeting. We have every week, a weekly meeting. You can't just. We don't just throw this show together randomly. We have in-depth, hours-long uh, weekly meeting and UFC 228. Just too big. We couldn't do a big blowout. We were gonna. We were talking about let's go through all 300 episodes. Let's do a greatest hits. I mean, we were. I, I was talking to people. I was trying to get an interview. We were I was, get I, interviews. I mean, I'm, I kind of feel bad. I was gonna surprise Mark. We were gonna interview Bob Schreiber. It was gonna be we, great. We had Schreiber on the line. Yeah. He was gonna call in. <laughs> It's just too big. 228. We got to break it down. We can't, you know, the show can't be five hours long. So cuts had to be made. We decided to turn our three hour celebration of 300 episodes into 12 minutes opening line. Yeah. You enjoyed it. You loved it. And now we move on. Yeah, exactly. Um, Well put, Mark. Well put. Um, Yeah, guys, we like doing this. We're going to keep doing it. Uh, It's nice that we got to 300. Maybe we'll talk about it more if this somehow this show is going short. But I don't see that happening. 228. We can't. Too big. Too, too big. Two two title fights. And Brandon Davis. Same card. Woo. Oh, too much. Aren't we lucky? Oh, damn. Yeah, we deserve these kind of cards. Um, so uh, we're going to get into some picks for UFC 228. Um, you know what? Fuck it. Let's do that first. The more I think about it, it's the most relevant thing going on. We can get into our own bullshit later after that. Um, what the people want. Get the people right to the point. Um, this card, uh, jokes aside, and we aren't joking. We meant every word of that. Um, this motherfucker is pretty deep. Um, there's fights on Fight Pass I'd like to see. For example, Jim Miller is on there. Uh, Irene Aldana's on there. Diego Sanchez is on there. It's people, relevant people. Um, but I'm not I'm not paying for Diego Fight Sanchez Pass. Diego Sanchez is irrelevant. So Diego Sanchez is out there defending the camp, Mike. He's defending the camp. He's called out. Like, here he is on Fight Pass, and other fighters are like, I want to fight Diego Sanchez. Like, really, dude? You want a main event on Fight Pass? Like, that's your big lofty goal uh, uh, you're calling out? 
But Guy carries a name, so weird that he's on the fight pass, but you'll see. We're going to break down the card. We're going to see why he's on the fight pass main event and not in the main card because it's so deep. Yeah, exactly. Um, let's just get right into it. Um, Tyron Woodley uh, taking on Darren, Gor- Darren Till, Darren the Gorilla Till, Tyron Woodley, the chosen one. Um, we're not going to get into another discussion about the interim title and shit like that because... As funny as it was for uh, that, I forgot his name. Covington, 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 Covington getting screwed. Um, we're kind of past that at this point. Tyron Woodley defending a title he won uh, July thirtieth, twenty sixteen. Crossed the two year mark on that title reign. Um, gonna take on another big fucking striker, man. Um, we're gonna make our picks here in a second. Um, we were joking. We were hanging out. Uh, yesterday that maybe we should just be picking whether we think this is going to be a title fight or not um because i think most of us don't think it will be um and why is that stefan why won't this be a title fight in our eyes because <laughs> have you seen darren till that man is mf and huge that man is gigantic when they had their face off that looked like a light heavyweight right there yeah uh he also came into that last fight at 174 pounds which definitely screams uh you gotta get a title shot here especially when you barely win and many people in his hometown he was yeah. there for mama's home cooking he come in a little big yeah and i'm not sure he won that a lot of people not so sure he won that one but anyway here we are um darren till had never seen defeat 17 0 and 1 uh had a one draw in there uh against nicholas dalby um a lot of decisions uh now that he's gotten in much to the higher echelon but he did smoke donald Cerrone in a fight that was pretty clear donald Cerrone didn't know who he was fighting um, Stefan, we got odds on this one? Uh, absolutely we do. And the uh, them smart guys, they're a little torn because Tyron Woodley is the minus 115 favorite, but Darren Till is also a minus 105. There is no plus underdog to be had here. Um, I'm going to go first here and say I'm picking Tyron Woodley. Because um, I think he's the best welterweight in the world. And I've seen him fight guys this big, and um, he—I mean, one of the fights was terrible, the other one wasn't bad, and uh, I, I didn't think he lost either either one of them, despite whatever decision you guys come up with. And um, I think he can put Darren Till on his ass whenever he wants to, quite frankly. So I got Tyron Woodley. Watch me be wrong, but I said I got Tyron Woodley. What do you think, Mike? I got Woodley as well. Um... I think he'll be able to control Till with uh, with his wrestling. Don't really care how big Till is. Uh, Woodley is a pretty damn good wrestler. And I would also like to take the prop bet that Darren Till doesn't hit 170. See, that's the thing. You don't think if he just shows up overweight, he's going to just beat Woodley? <laughs> he's going to no. come in at like 178? <laughs> I still think Woodley would be him. Fair enough. Um, I just want to point out that odds makers do not think Tyron Woodley is going to win a lot of fights. Like, he's not a very heavy favorite ever. Um, Stefan, I know you're big, you're big on Darren Th- Darren Till. Um, what do you think? you think he gets it done here against the champ? Um, I think Woodley's got everything in his arsenal, like you guys said, to take him down, to nullify him. Um, and he's really good in his own right. You know, he's got fast hands. He's got a boatload of power. You know, Tyrone Woodley can knock out any man on this earth if he connects clean. Um, that said, as often with so many of my picks, I want to believe 
This kid's going to show up big. He'll make that weight and he'll take that belt. And you know I love when the UFC obviously gets behind one fighter because it never works out in their favor. So that's why this is a dumb pick because um, right now all of the UFC's pr promotion would tell you they want Darren Till to win this ba baby. Uh, he's getting a little bit of that uh, Francis Ngannou treatment in some of the uh, promotional materials I've seen. But like Bob said, I, I love Darren Till, and I want to believe in this kid. He is undefeated. I love undefeated fighters. I want to believe that they can stay undefeated. So, yeah, I look for Till to just be magnificently large and knock uh, Tyron out. If Nate Marquardt could hit an eight-hit combo on this guy, why can't Darren Till? Man, Woodley was an underdog against Thompson twice. I mean, I, if you take out Damian Maya. <laughs> There was a lot of being the underdog. Jesus Christ. Uh, Marcus, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I, I'm going with Tyrone as well. Um, and mainly because, like you guys kind of alluded to, there's a lot more avenues for victory as, like, the loudest motorcycle drives by. Um, for Woodley to get the win here, right, he has really heavy hands. The, the wrestling's a big factor. Uh, and But also what you alluded to, too, like, all these fighters have have to fight two fights when, when they come and fight in the UFC. And the first one's against the scale. And for the most part, I think most of the fighters are going to win that first fight against the scale and make weight. And Darren Till is one of those guys that I'm not sure if he's going to be able to. And if he does, you know, how much is that going to draw him out? Um, on the other end of the spectrum, you know, how is Woodley going to handle with, you know, a really big guy like Darren Till? Is he going to be able to get under the hips and take him down easily? Or is it going to be a struggle to take this really large man down? And, you know, um, it hasn't been a problem and an issue for Woodley for many years now. But his gas tank used to be a big question mark with a lot of us. You know, we, he couldn't go past two and a half rounds. The tank would lower. Um, he seems to have corrected that. He seems to have paced himself a lot better. Uh, but, you know, if if it takes a lot of energy to get Till down, and that's the strategy is to ground this guy, hurt him on the ground, and, you know, to keep him from utilizing his strength, which is a stand-up, you know, is Woodley going to have the stamina to to lift a heavy man like Darren Till down five rounds. It's tough to say, uh, but I, I, I'm confident in Woodley being able to do it. You know, he's been champion for a while. He's held the mantle. Um, I still think he's hungry as well. So I think the motivation's there, um, but Till presents a lot of interesting um, challenges for him. I think his standup is extremely dangerous, but you know, Woodley's fought danger strikers. He, he got the belt off uh, Robbie he beat Thompson in, in lackluster performances, but ones where he stamped some rounds really hard on the guy. Um, so th that's what makes this fight so appealing is that there's pros and cons to both of them. The line's super close for a reason, uh, but I feel like Till's, it's an uphill battle for him to get in the cage and, and garner the opportunity to fight for that belt. And if he can make 170, I also question, you know, just how physically fit that that cut's going to be for him. So it'll be interesting to see. How that especially man after we saw that uh that video of him cutting weight where he looked like he was gonna fucking he die really, he looked tough I don't know how we saw that fight we at UFC saw that and said yeah man let's see if he can lose one more pound they they've gone into so many of these scenarios where they're like yeah this guy can't make weight but he's I guess the most deserving even and then, then, then Dana White term. shits and then Dana when he misses weight Dana White talks shits on him and we're all just like. Well, motherfucker, it, the writing's what, on the wall, what do you dude. want to have? Yeah, what do you what do you think was going to happen? Yeah, but I think, you know, ideally, I want Till to make the weight. I want him to be able to do it, you know, without too much struggle so that he's going to look good. And we get the best of these both uh, best of best of these fighters because it's a really fun matchup. And I want to see these guys in top shape. I don't want it to be dragged down with Till couldn't make weight. It's a non-title fight or Till made weight. But dude 
didn't couldn't get an IV, but fucking needed an IV because he looked like Skeletor up there. I, I don't want those kind of things to play out. I hope he can make the weight. I hope we get a even contest here and the best man wins. Uh, but you know, there's a lot of factors here. I have to go to Woodley. So, um, three one there for the chosen one. Um, co-main event. Um, I don't think I've ever seen a champion be a bigger underdog ever in any fight. Um. Nika Montoya's plus 850, defending her flyweight championship, which I believe this is the first defense of. Um, she's taken on, and it's for good reason, people think she's going to lose unfairness to her. Valentina Shevchenko, um, probably the second best bantamweight in the world, uh, right behind Amanda Nunes. Um, she made her flyweight debut where she beat Priscilla Cachoeira in a fight where people are still talking about a referee trying to get somebody killed. Looked like they were playing two different sports. Um, This has long since been viewed as the weight class that, once it exists, Valentina Shevchenko gets to be champion. Um, Seems like the odd makers agree, huh, Steph? I mean, yeah. She is a massive, massive uh, underdog. Like, as the defending champion, like, the last time I really remember it stuck out to me was Rashad was a pretty sizable underdog to Leoto Machida. But even then it was like between two to one, three to one. It was not nearly like nine to one odds. Yeah. I was going to say maybe that one or when uh Shogun took on um Jones, maybe like maybe, you know what I mean? I'm trying to see if I can find that Rashad one, but see if it goes that far. Rashad against Leoto Machida. You know what? Ended up not that bad. Ended up plus one thirty five. About the odds of Matt Sarah versus GSP in the rematch. Oh, let's see, let's see if we can find that one. Um, now we're just googling shit. But I want to. I really want to see what what people thought Shogun because we were all pretty sure John Jones is going to murder Shogun, right? If I remember correctly. Yeah, John Jones was an unstoppable monster then and now. My only minus one fifty five. All right, let's look up GSP. George, this is this is fun for everybody. I'm sure. Um, I like that if you just search for George, it takes you right to George. To, okay. Matt George versus Matt Sarah. George was minus 430. That was in the rematch. My, that nice. was a fight we were all 100% sure a man was going to win, man. Okay. <laughs> um, minus 430. Jesus. Yeah. I've never seen anything like this. Um, I'm picking. I mean, I'm a big Valentina Shevchenko fan. I thought she was going to beat Nunes the second time. I think, quite frankly, she just fought a really... Intr- weird strategy in that fight where she, I thought she was giving up rounds for no reason. This is how much she was just waiting for Nunes to get tired, and that just didn't happen. Um, I think Shevchenko is terrifying. She's awesome. She's going to, I think she's going to win this fight. I don't think it's going to be close, um, but it's almost like the best, everybody's expectations are so low. Maybe Montoya will surprise Michelle. She could win. It's MMA, but I just, everybody expecting a bulldozing, which an odds, odds makers, like odds, put that kind of odds on it. You think it's going to happen, but I think Eric Anders' fight we might have showed us last week where just because you're a crazy favorite doesn't mean it's going to be an easy fight. But I, I I can't go against odds like that. Shevchenko. Stefan? Um, I thought you would go to me last because, I mean, I'm thinking, one, this is def- this is going to be a clean sweep for uh, Shevchenko. I don't know what Mike and Mark are going to say about it, but I know it's going to be a clean sweep for Valentina. But, again, uh, when we first talked about this fight, and I'll reiterate myself here, as the only one who really watched Nico Montano fight, but and someone who I very very much like her like I really liked her from the very first moment on the show and I was rooting for her through that tough tournament and she kept winning 
You know, uh, on the road to winning this belt, she beat Lauren Murphy, Barb Honchak, and Roxanne Modafferi. Okay, maybe you don't think they're on Mon- uh, on Shevchenko's level. Those are all very credible, very legitimate women's fighters. You know, she came in as a 14 seed on the show. Even the showmakers didn't know who she was. She was just a body to fill the back end of that bracket to launch these other established, whip, like, you know, veterans. So she came from, like, long odds, you know. Um, she's tough across the board, and that's really what her greatest asset is. Um, and, you know, like Bob said, you might surprise because I haven't really seen her. You, you haven't seen her. None of us have seen her. But basically, she's never defended this belt since she won it. She was recovering from some illness and injury, and she's just been training Maybe you'd hope that being the champion afforded her an opportunity to train the best she ever has. Maybe we get to see her have a leap. But if you've never watched her, know that she is tough across the board and she will not quit. She is someone who fights and like she's a very likable fighter. I know she kind of got some bad press kind of feuding with uh, Ariel a little bit out there. Um, I hope that people- was weird. It was just weird. She didn't have a good look at someone who does like her. I thought she took it to a weird place. But that said, um, if you've never heard of her, give her a chance to follow her and her story. You know, if she shocks the world, if she puts up a tough fight in a losing effort, I think she's someone worth watching. She was a really good story on the show. And look, I'm not picking her. Look, it's crazy. It's crazy to take these odds. But I am saying if I were in Vegas, I'd put 20 bucks on her. That would just be a fun flyer to have because, you know, I, it wouldn't be inconceivable knowing how she fights that maybe she does pull it off. But, uh, Hey, they're gonna give you close to like plus a thousand odds. It's worth a twenty dollar flyer, in my opinion. That's the Kevin from the office strategy of sports betting or betting in general. Never forget, um, Mark. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, have to go with Valentino here, and I mean, he just and and Steph's right. Like I haven't seen Nico in a lot of her fights, so I don't have a good assessment of you know where her skills are, her abilities, you know how high she might be able to progress in between camps and stuff. I mean, really, just looking on paper, there's good reason why the line is this way. I mean, not only does Valentina have more UFC fights, um, she has more kickboxing. Her combat sport, you know, record and her experiences vastly outnumbers Nico. And I mean, and you even just look at the MMA stuff they've done, you know, Nico's running with like, I think like an eight and two record, you know, it, it's not bad, but it's nothing like Valentina and what she's been able to accomplish. So um, I think it's going to be tough out. I, I think that um, this is probably going to go to decision, but I do think Valentina is going to, with the striking and being able to negate a lot of the uh, grappling exchanges is going to be able to, to win a lot of these rounds and, and get a decision. But I do really think this probably will go to a decision. Mike. It is still quite the step up from Roxanne Modafferi to Valentin Shevchenko. I had honestly for- forgotten that this fight was even on this card. Um, that's how little I heard about it. So, um, Montano, she she went through some pretty good people um, to get the belt. She's a true underdog story. But the problem with underdogs is that they're normally underdogs for a reason. So, I'm going with Shevchenko. Right on. Um, next fight here. We thought it was gonna be Zabit. Uh, Zabit's name is fucking hard to say. Um, Zabit Magomedov Sharapov was gonna be taken on Yair Rodriguez, who the UFC uh, bullied into this fight. Ultimately, either way, um, that whole fucking weird exchange where he was cut for half a day. Um, Zabit, uh, but unfortunately, Yair got hurt, or maybe we needed to come to some sort of agreement where everybody got out of this thing properly. Um, uh, this is uh, nobody wants to fight this motherfucker. All right, he's terrifying. 
All right, he he's fifteen and one. He's a killer. All right, and they were trying. It seemed like like people we recognize were trying to get this fight, like John Lineker, for example. Um, worth mentioning that that Zabit is six foot one, and John Lineker is shorter than me. Um, so that would have been. That doesn't only works if you know how short I am. I'm real short, and this dude's shorter than me. All right. Um, so Brandon Davis is stepping up to take this fight. Brandon nine and four, coming off of a loss to Enrique Barzola. Uh, Davis has taken this fight. Um, it's a fucking miracle, Stefan, that the odds on this one aren't as you know. Are, are we aren't getting the Shevchenko odds on this one? I'm actually not even seeing the odds on it. Where. <laughs> <laughs> do we even not have odds? I don't think I don't, I don't have on. Um, I'm on best fight. I, honestly, I was just talking shit. There are no odds on this. Th- you know why? He's that much. Maybe he's that much of an underdog. Um, don't even want to bother touching this. Yeah, I'm. I, we're, I'm picking Zabby. He's a killer. He's 27 year old destroyer from Dagestan that makes people tap out, knocks him out. Has got a world championship in Wushu. Yeah, I'm taking this guy, Mark. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think we probably all will. Um, yeah. I mean, the one thing you can say about both guys, they don't have a lot of, you know, high quality names on, on the uh, the records right now. Um, I think that will be changing shortly with Zabit, but he should be able to handle this fight fairly easily, I assume. Mike, you going to join us in here? I assume this will be a clean sweep. Yep. Stefan? Showcase fight. Showcase fight. Um, next fight here. This is... I like God. I mean, no one even bats an eye. Pay per view, two of the fights are women's fights. I appreciate that. People who watch pro wrestling realize you don't have to be beaten over the head with it. You know, you just kind of everybody expects, accepts it. It's part of the fucking sport. Um, Jessica Andrade taking on Carolina Kowalkiewicz. Um, betting odds on this one, Stefan. Uh, it is Jessica Andrade is a pretty damn big favorite at a take a hit minus four twenty favorite. Uh, versus a plus 335 underdog for Carolina. Man, I was thinking about this fight before I even looked at the odds. I'm like, you'd think it'd be close, but you know what? Carolina doesn't do well with someone like, you know, someone who can grapple gets hyper-aggressive in her face, you know? And Andrade can do that. And I'm like, you know, I looked at the odds. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> people know. <laughs> uh, people know. Yeah, I'm, I am I love Carolina Kowalkiewicz. I think she's a very good counter-striker. Um, she beat the champion. I mean, it was a bull- there was no reason for that to be a split decision. She very clearly won uh, that fight against Rose Namajunas. Um, couldn't beat Joanna, but Joanna couldn't really do a ton with her. Um, I think it's the odds are a little, a little bit, a bit much in Andrade's favor, if I'm being honest. Um, but I still, I think Andrade still gets gets a win out of this. What do you think, Mike? No, I disagree with you. I think those odds are just about accurate. Jessica Andrade is a goddamn destroyer. Um, you don't think that, like, per- you don't th- you don't think after the Ioana fight, where like you learned that like if you're a really disciplined striker, you might be able to like stop her from doing what she wants to do. No, I learned if you're Ioana Janjacek, you can beat her. That's what I learned. Fair enough. <laughs> so you're uh, you're taking Miss Andrade. Um, you got the you got you got the picks going right, Mike. Yeah. All right, Marcus? Uh, yeah, I'm going Jessica, too. Uh, I, I, I do think it's going to be – I, I kind of agree with you, Bob. I think the line sh- is maybe a little too skewed because I think that um, 
Carolina has a shot in this. You know, I think she can use footwork to kind of steal rounds, but I think that's going to be a really tough strategy against Jessica. I think Jessica is going to be able to kind of bully her, get her back up against the cage, um, initiate clinches, and maybe even score some takedowns to steal rounds away. So uh, I'm I'm pretty confident Jessica's going to get the win here. Do you think if uh, the Claudia fight didn't happen, where Claudia, Carolina, Carolina really got bullied, and like I think if that fight didn't happen, I might have I might even have picked Carolina. Like I think, just uh, I, I haven't seen that as possible. Any, I'm like, anytime you can kind of do the MMA math where they have a common opponent and it's one person won, the other one lost. You know, it's not always the best approach to take to picking fights, but you know, it's something to look at. They have a common opponent, and the outcome. Just the way were, she lost too. Yeah, like, they were very different, and you know, um, just the way Jessica fights and how Carolina fights. Um, the stylistic fight. You know, if she can stay on the outside and move around. I think, she, you know, Carolina has a shot here, but I think that's going to be tough to do against Jessica. I think she is going to be able to bully her with the pressure she puts on a lot of these girls. And, uh, you know, I don't think she'll finish. I think this will be another decision, but I think it'll be pretty dominant. I think she's going to solidify these rounds by either scoring some some decent damage or more likely just um, controlling the rounds and even getting some takedowns to really solidify it. So that's how I see it going. Um, Stefan. Stefan. My bad. I just think I was muted. Um, I'm going for the clean sweep here. I think Andrade is the compelling next contender in line. You know, she's the most interesting fight out there for the champion now that Joanna's uh, probably in the rearview mirror for the foreseeable future. Um, the aspect I find fast interesting about this fight, though, is uh, Carolina's best strikes come in the clinch. She has really great elbows and really great knees as a reflection of her kickboxing background. That's where she gets her best strikes in. And Jessica, she gets her takedowns in the clinch. She likes to dirty box in the clinch. So, um, you know, I, I think Andrade, her just being as durable and powerful as she is with takedowns, I favor her. But I, I just find it fascinating. And I'm really looking forward to this fight because I think both of their strengths exist in the same position. Um, and we're not going to pick here the uh, Nico Price and Abdul Razak Al-Hassan fight. And I honestly, I know Nico Price is a good fighter and all. He's 12-1, and a um, bit of a prospect. But I don't get why this is on the main card over the over um, the Esparza and Suarez fight. Or the Dodson and Rivera fight, quite frankly. Maybe because Al-Hassan fights out of Texas? But dude's from Ghana. So I don't know if that's, you know, that matters. Um, but, I mean, it's going to be, I mean, I like Nico Price. It's going to be an interesting fight, but don't, yeah. We're going to pick instead... Carlos Barza, um, former flyweight or flyweight champion, taken on Tatiana Suarez, a woman who won uh, the Ultimate Fighter um, season 2014, 15, 23. 23. 23. I talked about it before the Grasso fight. I think the world of Tatiana Suarez, I think she's a goddamn killer. She's a, she's six and oh, um, We've talked about the backstory before, how she um, she was training for the 2012 Olympics. She was ranked number one in the world at 121 pounds, had a neck issue, went to get an MRI. Turns out she had thyroid cancer. Uh, came back from that, started doing jujitsu, turned into an MMA fighter, um, and she is very good. She will bulldoze people. And um, Carla... Her fight with uh, Claudia was really close, and Carla's still a very good fighter. Honestly, I thought I was going to go out here and make a pick in a fight that I assumed the odds were close in. Stefan, what were the odds, really? 
Um, well, take a hit once again because Carla Esparza is coming at a big old plus four twenty underdog with uh, oh, that's big. Yeah, minus five thirty five favorite. Yeah, and I, I didn't think Suarez was going to bulldozer either. Those odds are really stacked in the uh, uh, her favor. The bet makers do not like the bitter Betty. Yeah, they don't. They're not a fan. Um, I think. I mean, I'm a big fan of Tatiana Suarez. Six and zero. Oh, um, she's 27 years old. Um, I think she's gonna. I think she's gonna win. I think it's gonna be a harder fight than than minus five thirty. Um, same way I thought. Then yeah, same with Andrade fight. Where I'm like, that's these are a little tougher of opponents. I think, but I yeah, I think she wins. And I think if you beat Carla Esparza, one more, and she gets a title shot, and she'd be a very interesting opponent for uh, Rose Namajunas given how aggressive Suarez is and how strong her top control game is. And no no one's stopping her from taking him down. I even, I don't think Carlos Barza has got a shot of stopping this, personally. So, yeah. What do you think, Mike? Given how uh, infrequently Rose is fighting, shit, this might be her next fight. Suarez mm-hmm. might get another fight in. Um, Sorry, I love my girl Rose, but yo, come on. Get back already. Mm. Um... I really don't know anything about Tatiana Suarez. Uh, as much as I love uh, Claudia Gadelia, I do kind of think Esparza won that fight. Um, Man, and- we were in a we were in a car watching this on my phone in the center console. You were that sure about who won that fight? <laughs> I was. I actually uh, I didn't. I thought I was going to be the one to say it. Carla surprised the hell out of me in her last fight. She outstruck Claudia in the first round. Um, and a lot of the fight, and then I thought she won. I I and the crowd there, which booed that decision uh, quite vociferously, I, I thought Carla won, so she surprised the hell out of me in that fight. Another fight where she was expected to get steamrolled. You know, she Man. was the champion in this division. Um, a lot of people forget that. Man, next, I, time, next time Claudia fights, we're going to have to have a whole discussion about her being her own training camp thing, by the way. But, yeah. And she won her last fight, so it's working so far. I guess. So what do you got, Mike? The Vegas odds makers normally know what they're doing. So I know I'm probably going to get burned on this one. But frankly, just because I've seen Carla fight and Carla, you know, uh, you know, she fought well against uh, Claudia. Um, I'm going to have to go with Esparza because frankly, I haven't seen Suarez fight. So I reserve the right to watch Suarez fight during this week and change my pick. Wrong. All picks are locked in. Yes. My, uh, no, they are. We can easily change them. <laughs> Stefan, what's your pick? Um, yeah, I already made the case for why Esparza is interesting, but I'm not going to pick her. After Suarez styled on my favorite fighter, Alexa Grasso, like, that was hard for me to watch. That, Alexa- that shit was, that was brutal. That was just, woo. You know, like in general, we cheer for good fights. We like a lot of fighters. And, you know, if one fighter we like beats another fighter, we like, hey, if it was a great fight, we're happy. Uh, When I like a fighter the way I like Alexa Grasso, seeing her lose like that hurt. That was hard to watch. And it made me want to not watch any more MMA for a little bit. Um, But it's just all a validation of how good I think Suarez is. Um, Carla, who's made her name being a wrestler is about to take on another wrestler who, uh, as Cormier say, there are levels to this shit, and mm-hmm. I think that's what we're going to see. Yeah, Cormier got taken down by Alexander Gustafson. Um, 
but he almost got Jones. He didn't he almost... lose. He wanted to get that takedown on Jones. Uh, Marcus, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm actually glad uh, Mike took Carla because I was thinking about it because I think you can you can look at some past opponents. I think when you look at the Cynthia Calveo fight, a lot of similarities there. She was undefeated. Evan was talking about, you know, she's the grappling wizard. Once she gets you on the ground, she just runs a school. And Carla dropped, you know, Carla grounded her and won that fight. And I think when you look at Suarez, you can look at the common the the commonality between her and Cynthia and say, like, yeah, there's a lot of similarities here. I think um Suarez is just a, a much better grappler, even even more so than Cynthia. And I but I think there's X factors going into Carla's uh corner as well, because like you saw in the Claudia fight. You know, her stand-up isn't amazing. It's not like she's pulling out new tricks, but she just sticks to the fundamentals, and it worked against Claudia. She rocked her hard, and that's something that Suarez, probably her striking game isn't as good, and if she's struggling to get um, Carla down and they and she has to box with her a little bit, she'd get caught, you know, and I think Carla made some mental mistakes against the Claudia, uh, Claudia fight where she could have done better getting her to stand up with her, allowing her to, you know recoup by getting her on the ground and not really pushing her um that all being said i i think um uh was it tatiana uh am i saying that right was that her name yeah tatiana yeah. I, I think she like you guys mentioned she's of an even higher elk she might be someone that can really go really far in this game but carla's going to be a tough test for her um and i don't think the the odds again i think should be a little bit closer um because i think carla has has kind of made some some leaps in the stand-up, and that could come into a big factor here. If she eats a hard right hand, um, like uh, she was able to get on um, Claudia in her last fight, you know, this fight can take a big turn very quickly. But um, I like Tatiana a lot, you know. Um, and, Mike, when you see those fights, you'll see that she is, you know, she's legit, but this is a tough test. So uh, I'm looking for a really good fight in this one. And like you mentioned, Bob, I wish it was on the pay-per-view um because there's a couple of fights on the pay-per-view where it's like yeah i'm not super interested but this is going to be a really compelling fight and i'm just really interested to see how these two lock horns so uh going with uh tatiana but it's gonna be a tough one for sure i say yeah. again i reserve the right to change my pick after Mike, just pick some footage j just just pick her right now no 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 no, no. <laughs> i reserve the right fine um some other fights on the prelims worth mentioning aljermain sterling making it to tv stuff on so he exists in another place that isn't the internet um, taking on Cody Staman, twenty-eight-year-old Cody Staman, who is seventeen and one. Um, both of his last UFC, two UFC wins being split decision victories, though. Um, I, I when you get to two young guys, match them, match them up against each other. We're just trying to see, I guess, which one of them is ready for the next level. So I guess we'll see what's going on in that one. Um, Jimmy Rivera and John Dotson is gonna be wonderful. Um, both these gentlemen's hit gentlemen gentlemen's gentlemen hit fucking hard. Um, Dotson hasn't iced the guy in a bit. Um, quite frankly, it's only he's only smoked one guy since being back up to one thirty five, and that was Manny Gambarian. Um, Jimmy Rivera's bouncing back from his first loss in ten years. Uh, he won twenty straight wins, and then Marlon Marais kicked him upside the fucking head thirty seconds into a fight, and we were done fighting. Um, that's gonna be a lot of fun too. I'm excited for that one. Um, yeah, this is a this is a good one, man. It's we were talking about this um, stuff. We're like, instead of like giving us one good a good pay per view, 
and then like a good fight night in between the pay-per-views. We get a good pay-per-view, and then like three weeks of just yeah, and then another good pay-per-view. I mean, as a uh, you know, I brought this up many times over the last year. So like, I've come to a place with MMA where I don't care to watch the prelims anymore. I'm like a main card casual, but um, when I look through this card, this is the first time I've I've wanted to watch the prelims in a long while. There are a lot of fights, like you mentioned. Um, personal favorite of mine is a uh, uh, Lobo MMA teammate of Alexa Grasso, Irene Aldana uh, versus Lucy Pudalova. Like. Aldana, she, she's dropped some, but even when she loses, it's why I like her as a fighter. She comes to box, and when her boxing looks good, she it, it's a great fight. But she comes to fight, so I appreciate that attitude. This is gonna be a fun. This is gonna be a fun card. Presuming it all holds up, and there's no weight shenanigans, all that stuff remains to be seen. But on paper, right now, it looks fantastic. Um, yeah, um, I'm excited. So we'll see. Um, all right, um, little MMA history. I think it's time for that. Um, we actually have a, a few big ones that happened. Um, September 1st, 2012 was the day that UFC 151 was supposed to happen, which is the card that was killed by um, John Jones and Greg Jackson, apparently, right? That was their fault. A little bit of Hendo, too, uh, I guess. Yeah, that was the one where they tried to convince John Jones to take on, um, take on Chael on six days' notice. And uh, people, he said no, and it gives you an idea of where we are now, because it's not just us, because I listened back to our podcast, and it was kind of embarrassing how much we were on the side of the UFC. Um, nobody would bat a fucking eye right now if they're like, if they're like, are you like, if a champion's like, are you fucking, okay, not nobody, half the fans in this sport are garbage, but uh, everybody, would be, most of us would be, with brain would be like, of course, you're not fighting a different fucking person for your belt on like five days notice, are you high? No, that's perfectly reasonable. Um, well, I mean, part of the ire, I remember it. Part of the ire is because the replacement was Chael Sonnen. And the fact that all-time greatest John Jones, John Jones can beat Chael Sonnen tomorrow. The The idea that John Jones needed preparation for Chael Sonnen, with all due respect, was laughable. You know, but if, if John Jones' stories about partying and doing cocaine and all that is true to the narrative, he definitely did not need a trading camp to defeat Chael Sonnen. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that, when they fought, how long did it take him to whoop his ass? When they actually fought, himself. I totally don't remember. They fought uh, when Jones' toe broke in the middle of the fight, and he still whooped his ass. Okay, and yeah. if that fight had gone to the next round, Chael Sonnen probably would have been light heavyweight champion because they would have stopped that fight. And this is what I'm saying. This is why you need a training camp. Chael had an automatic DQ. He had a ring-out-like scenario, yet he still lost and got finished. It was never close. Best part of that fight was at the end of the fight when John Jones finally realized a bit of his bone was sticking out of his toe, and what he was more worried about were his vacation plans. No, yeah, I remember that. Guys, don't laugh at me. This really hurts. That was that was wonderful. Um, yeah, we we honestly we were so fucking shitting on. We it's really man. People just took the UFC side back then. That's how much like cash Dana White had with the fans. You know, we're just like, oh, yeah, of course he's right. Of course this is Greg Jackson's fault. Of course the fact that your co-main event is Jay fucking Haran against Jake Ellenberger, that's 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 their fault that you couldn't just put a show on right now. That's why they got two title fights on every card now, man. Something happens, God forbid, with Tyron Woodley and Darren Till and there's no fight, we're paying to see Ale uh, Valentina Shevchenko baptize Nico Montagna. 
All right, that's what the pay. That's the that's a paying main event at that point. And you know, so, thinking about that, you would think Dana White would want to add more weight divisions in, so that way every UFC could have two two uh championships. Yeah, fights. listen, listen to this fucking main card: Jones Hendo, then Ellenberger Jay Haran. By the way, I love Jay Haran. He responded to me on Twitter when I saw him on Daredevil. So no disrespect intended. All right, um, Eddie Yagen, the Filipino dream, right there, Eddie Yagen, uh, against Dennis Seaver. Man with the best walkout music ever, right there, Papa Roach. <laughs> um, Dennis Hallman versus Tiago Tavares, and then John Lineker versus oh, remember this guy, Yasuhiro Orishitani. Oh, Ooh, he had like shit. yeah, whew, that was the second best fight by a mile. <laughs> There's not even stuff on like I mean, whew, this is terrible. <laughs> yeah, um, that happened about uh, eight years ago. No, six years ago. Sorry. Also, Mar- Marcus, why don't you talk a little bit about the time Bob Sapp and Big Knock had one of the most ridiculous freak show fights anybody's ever seen? Oh, yeah. Uh, that's weird, too, because I thought that was another one of these um, shockwave cards that I thought was at the end of the, uh, end of the year, but I guess it happened at the uh, end of August. But, yeah, big super fight against uh, Bob Sapp, who at the time was still feared and considered to be somewhat legitimate. I I can't remember if the Big Knock, I don't think it was his first, first uh mixed martial arts fight um he had kind of uh got big because of k1 and i think he had a couple pride fights before he fought big nog but yeah i mean probably the most infamous thing in that fight was nog shot in on him very early and bob sack basically pile drove him twice it looked like he almost killed him uh and i think a lot of times they said the second pile driver kind of woke big nog up and they just had a classic battle for the ages you know it was definitely kind of a freak show fight where you had this ginormous hulking bob sap versus you know at the time to be considered the most skilled heavyweight and um you know it it took big nog everything he had to you know pepper him on his feet get the fight taken down and eventually got him with an arm bar i believe but you know it was really one of those really fun freak show fights and um bob i don't really think he had another one quite like that 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 was probably his best kind of outing in mma um, for like a competitive, compelling fight. So yeah, definitely something to, to remember and look up if you haven't seen it before. And Bob Sap lose to a big fat dude on YouTube uh, I mean, today. He'll lose this on anybody nowadays. Like, he just throws fights. Yeah, that's still if you find the MMA hour where Ariel accuses him of that, it gets real weird real quick. Um, also, some history back in 2005, Shogun won the middleweight Grand Prix. And Marcus, I think we pretty much learned Shogun who was the best light heavyweight in the world at that time. Yeah, I mean, uh, the the Grand Prix and Pride uh, are legendary because they just really produced high-quality fights. And this middleweight tournament in 05 was probably one of the most stacked ones. And uh, there, there, there's a lot of uh, combat tournaments. And not always the winner of those is considered to be the best fighter because sometimes guys have easier brackets. Um, they get lucky on the draws stylistically and can somehow find them uh, themselves in the finals um, having fought or less for competition and matching up well with the guy they're fighting. You know, I think when Alistar won the K1 Grand Prix, that was definitely the case where he got some favorable fights. And then for the, the finals, he fought someone that just stylistically he had, you know, a lot of advantages over. Um, Shogun had probably the toughest pull in this tournament. Um, these are the names he had to go through. Quentin Jackson in the opening round. Uh, Little Nog in the uh, the next round of the Grand Prix, the quarterfinals, where they had you know a fight of the year 
worthy um, fight. You know, one of the best fights. If you haven't seen it, definitely go check it out. After that, he fought a, um, you know, a highly motivated with a lot of momentum, Alistar Overeem, who was just guillotining everyone at the time, finished him in the first round. And in the finals, he fought Ricardo Arona, who in his semifinal fight beat Vanderlei Silva, who was the current champion, um, knocked him out in the first round under three minutes. Uh, it put Shogun on the map. It He easily that year, hands down, no competition. He was fighter of the year because his stint in that tournament was fantastic you know he finished all the fights except for the little nog fight which was just you know three rounds of just brutal violence and action and it, you know just all these exciting performances finishing all these guys um really put him on the map um from there you know uh his career definitely stinted a few times his next fight he fought coleman and dislocated his arm in a grappling exchange and we all know when he finally made his ufc debut losing to forrest but at that time, in that Grand Prix run, easily considered the best 205 fighter in the world, hands down. And then um, we also have Mike, when James Tony decided he wanted to be an MMA fighter. Well, are you saying that was a bad idea? I, I, I mean, I just wanted to, I mean, look, I, I, we, you've seen James Tony box. We can tell when James Tony gives a shit. And James Tony couldn't even agree to, like, Randy Couture wanted to like 215, 225 or something. And Randy and then James Tony wouldn't agree to anything. He showed up fat as hell, fucking his underwear falling off his ass at the weigh-ins. I mean, if this is famously the fight where I believe Mar uh Eve Levine or Mario Yamasaki was the referee, who you kind of could hear him tell James Tony, why don't you just give up when he was struggling for that arm triangle? So there was no scenario where he was gonna he was gonna win, but Jesus, huh? That was rough. <laughs> yeah. Um, Let's also remember that that fight is actually still continuing going on because did James Tony actually tap? He waved. He's done fighting. I'm done fighting. Goodbye. I'd like to leave. It's not tapping in boxing, but I th is... you might be able to wave off your own fight. It's usually a corner decision in boxing, but it was done. It was over. Yeah. Um, Steph, do you remember... Uh, when Fedor didn't know how to tap, so he just like did he just he tapped once at his hand like <laughs> questionably, and then he patted it one time, and that was it. Fair enough. Um, all right, let's do twenty questions. All right, so I actually got I got you know, and to let the listeners know because we kind of jump into this playing twenty questions. Uh. Bobby, Mike, and Stefan will get 20 questions to guess of the fighter I'm thinking of. I have pulled two fighters this week. Since we're kind of running a little bit long, I'm going to give you what I would consider to be the easier of the two. So whenever you guys are ready, we'll get the first question going. Mike? What you lead us is off? it a man? Uh, this is a male fighter, correct. And this game still remains sexist. <laughs> no, right. <laughs> <laughs> um... All right. Stefan, you want to go something? <laughs> Are they active? Uh, no, they're not an active fighter. They ever hold a championship in a major organization? Uh, and you were considered to be Pride UFC Strike Force Bellator? Yes. Uh, yes. Hmm. Kind of sounds like it's Bellator related. <laughs> <laughs> 
I gotta make it, it's a very broad question. We have to narrow it down. Do you guys count Bellator? Then yes. <laughs> <laughs> Was this person a champion uh, above 170 pounds? Yes. Okay. Did he fight in Bellator? Uh, no. <gasps> and that's five. That was the red herring edition. Mm. <laughs> A little trickery on Mark's part. I mean, you guys jumped to these conclusions. I just had to clarify. Interesting. Is he American? Uh, yes. You got an American champion over 170. Did they win a tournament to win that championship? Uh, no. <coughs> okay. Is this man white? Uh, yeah, this is a Caucasian gentleman, correct. I'll narrow it further. Was he a heavyweight? Uh, yes, this gentleman participated in heavyweight. Mark loves his white American heavyweight. <laughs> My big boys. We're at nine. You guys are doing good. Let's get another one out there. So he's American heavyweight, and he was a champion. Yes. And he's no longer active. Don't forget Correct. white. And white. White. Um, was this person a UFC champion? Uh, yes, they were. And that's ten. All right. There's only so many of these motherfuckers. <laughs> All right. <laughs> you have from what? You said... 70 and up, so you're 85, 205, and heavyweight champions, right? I, oh, okay. I asked if he was a heavyweight. Yeah. Oh, uh, you're right. So, but yeah, so pro well, yeah, probably a heavyweight champion then, right? A non-active white UFC heavyweight champion. Did we have a drink with him in Seattle? No. That would have been a good guess, though. And he's Who referring to Josh Barnett. We, uh... He had a greet and meet. <laughs> we we hung around a bar for like an hour to to see him, and showed up in a leather jacket. Immediately yeah, had cool a drink guy. with the lady at the bar. Yeah, didn't really <laughs> give a shit to meet us, quite frankly. Yeah, he's like whatever. <laughs> I mean, yeah. he, he found out about it that through his Twitter. Why is he putting it out there? Yeah, <laughs> it was just like we walked over. Like I'm like, hey, Josh Bart has three blocks away. We're like, I guess we'll go. <laughs> All right, uh, another question. Is this person? While American of Latino descent, uh, no. All right, so it's not he was white. I'm not, I'm not doing twenty-two. And white. What do you mean? You can still be white. And like, what do you mean? He was, he was, like, he was, he was getting rid of Rico Rodriguez. Yeah, obviously. Rico Rodriguez is pretty damn white, man. Okay, is he? Are people from, are people from Spain white? Well, oh, is he Spaniard? I thought he was. Oh, then yeah, he's white then. Let's get off this okay. train anyways. The, the, the circle is narrow now. Okay, so, look. The UFC heavyweight champions. These are our options that are left. Randy Couture. Was he uh, in the Militich fighting system? Was he a Militich fighting system? Yes. Did well, he used to go to did he used to go to every event and keep wearing his belt even if he wasn't fighting at said event? Yes. I was gonna say, like, <laughs> how would I know that? But in this particular case, we all kind of know that. Someone want to do the honors? Would this be? Um, I'm actually blanking on his nickname. Uh, the Maniac. Ah, uh, the Maniac. Tim Sylvia. Uh, that is correct. You guys got it on 15. Tim Sylvia is the man that we were discussing today. Um, yeah. Uh, 
heavyweight champion probably at the time when the UFC heavyweight division was considered, you know, at its weakest, you know, if we're being honest with ourselves. Uh, had a good little rivalry with um, Andre Orlovsky. Uh, they kind of capped that off at uh, the one fighting championships Pride of a Nation event. And I believe uh, that's where Andre illegally soccer kicked the shit out of Tim Sylvia. Um, Sylvia had three more fights after that, but his crew was more or less over uh, dropping all three of the fights. So, yeah, definitely, uh, you know, a champion of a time in the UFC and probably most notable, notable Bobby mentioned. Um, very proud to have that UFC medal around his waist so much so that he kind of took it around everywhere he went um, and also was uh, featured on an episode of Blind Date. A quasi-popular reality TV show about blind dates. This was not quasi-popular. That shit was the shit. I mean, I mean, it, again, its fan base was rabid. As Mike knows, I was a big fan. Uh, but you know, I think you ask your man on the street what's blind date, and they would be, you know, I don't know if they're going to jump to the. the you ask your man above the age of like twenty-eight, he knows a blind date. Is, right? I mean, this this is also that great feud with Arlovsky, Mark. You mentioned. Where Ar- no, Arlovsky, Arlovsky stopped dating a woman. Uh, Tim Sylvia started dating her, which she was a very attractive model. So well done, both men. Um, and then Tim, uh, then Arlovsky told Ariel to ask Tim Sylvia, um, ask him how my pee pee taste. Which that's that's what I like from grown men fighting. Quality uh-huh. banter. <laughs> Sylvia was also known for a very meme-like quote, which would actually, uh, oddly enough, I'm realizing, would be echoed by uh, podcast favorite TJ Dillashaw years later, and that is, I'm the oldest I've ever been right now. <laughs> and uh, maybe another fun fact about Tim, uh, he had his own kind of freak show fight with the boxer, where he lost to Ray Mercer in nine seconds in the first round, so not all of them end how you think with James Tony and Randy Couture, but I think we about squeezed all the fun Tim Sylvia factoids that we can. Uh, yeah, good job, guys. You know, honestly, I, I thought you could have got there a little sooner. Anytime I pick a UFC champion, you know, once you get that question kind of nailed away, you know, the pool is very limited, but you guys did a good job. Um, all right. That was it. 20 questions. Um, let's do stuff we like. Yep. Um. Oh, real quickly, since uh, I'm going to talk about because we previewed it last week, um, I watched All In, or at least all the different parts of All In now, and um, they killed it. Props this was a pro wrestling the, event. Yeah, this was pro, this was the thing the the super indie show, the uh, the Bucks and um, the Young Bucks and Cody Rhodes put together, and they absolutely killed it. It was huge, and um, some cool shit happened, including when Cody Rhodes came out with his dog. And people lost their damn minds because they got to they got to see Cody's dog, who's kind of a little uh, wrestling celebrity because of the YouTube show. And then uh, he won the ten pounds of gold, aka the NWA Championship, which, if you're a wrestling nerd, means a lot because that was his dad's. That was a title his dad won, so it was cool for him to win that. He got all emotional. Had Glacier in his corner, made me happy. Happy yeah, to see Glacier again. Had Glacier. Had Gla- Glacier. Tommy like, Dreamer. Tommy Dreamer and DDP, but Glacier. Really, Glacier was back there, um, and then uh, the the kid from Arrow, man. Um, I don't know if he's a natural or he just worked real hard at this. Um, I said it to Mike also. I'm not sure if you saw this motherfucker went. Uh, he went coast to coast. Um, he did the Van Terminator, uh, whereas you jump from one ring post 
to the other one and kick a motherfucker in the face. He went through a table, landed in Zaguri's. Uh, he lost, but shit, man, he took it seriously, and the crowd really appreciated him. And, I mean, props to Christopher Daniels, who carried him, quite frankly, because he's the vet that he is. They did a good job. It was incredible. I was so impressed with them, and uh, it's nice to, you know, it'd be the MMA equivalent of, like, everybody getting excited for, like, a gladiator challenge card or a whatever we're calling LFA a league is LFC LFC uh, legacy fighting championship it, it would be or like if Nate Diaz war MMA was like super legit had all these really good guys yeah. that weren't actually in the UFC is like literally anybody every, yeah it's very much like it'd be like a car if we put an MMA car together we're like we got Bibiano Fernandez we got Ben Askren we got you know fucking Michael Chandler we got everybody who's like not in the UFC and they just did it run by a bunch of fighters that's essentially yep. what happened. And they just sold out 11,000 seats. It was so cool. Um, oh, my fuck. I'll just keep talking. Um, talk about Disenchanted, which because we said we we're going to. I watched the whole thing. Mike watched like an episode or two, right? Yep. And Mark watched one episode. First episode um, today. My overall review of the show is uh, C plus slash B minus. There's that awesome. meme. You get the meme out there. You know, the, you guys ever know the meme of Fry from Futurama? Um, you know, squinting and thinking. I saw a meme that said, don't know if I like Disenchanted or I barely miss Futurama. That's me. Um, show's okay. I don't know. I probably gave it more of a chance than I would have if, you know, I didn't like everybody involved. Um, the first, the second half of the season is better than the first half. But you, I mean... They're probably getting a second season, I imagine, but it's it's I don't know, it's it's not that funny. Yeah, that, that <laughs> basically my take. It's just not like, that funny. <laughs> first episode, where's the jokes, bro? Like, where am I supposed to laugh in this thing? Uh, I mean, I, I got a, there was a few chuckles here and there, but they weren't really like I don't even know if they were like intended to be like some of the more funnier jokes. Just a lot of the stuff that they were trying to pass off as comedy didn't land for me in that first episode. I have no real attachment to any of the characters. I think that the main character I'm probably the most interested in, but the the elf character is just like throwaway to me because it just it. And I think it's a lot of it has to do with the design of that character. It looks just like Bart Simpson, but they colored him green. It looks like the old, like you know, when they had like the very first season of uh, the Simpsons and the drawings were really bad, so it was on like that late night show, and they were just getting like five minute segments. Like he looks like one of those characters, and I'm just. Not in, and they have like this little demon character and I'm not into him and, and the princess is only getting me so far. So really in that first episode, I'm like, I'm not laughing very much. Um, but one thing that um, my fiance's uh, brother, Sean, mentioned to me that I will agree with is like the the quality of the animation and like the art in this show is actually pretty striking. There's a lot of stuff going on the screen at any given time. And I think when you look at, you know, old Simpsons and stuff, uh, there wasn't a ton of that where there's a lot of stuff in the background. I think Futurama does that a lot better. And you see that here. Like, um, I think one of the opening scenes, they kind of pull back from this kingdom that they're kind of the story takes place. And it's a big, sprawling kingdom with a lot of detail in it. And, and the art and stuff I, I thought was pretty well done. But I mean, really, for an animated show, it, it's supposed to be a comedy like I need to be laughing like you got to be tickling me throughout the show to get me interested. And I watched that episode with Christine and it was very few laughs and I know it gets better. So, you know, I'm kind of judging this first episode knowing that it's not the best. They're setting things up. But yeah, not not super intrigued just watching the first episode. And it seems like Mike 
maybe a few more in kind of felt the same way. And Bobby, you told us last week you got to the third episode and you're like, I'm thinking about dropping it. Um, and then it does pick up. So I think there's some hope um, that I'll enjoy a little bit more. But yeah, that first episode was a little rough. Yeah. Um, and I also started watching a show called The Good Place. And uh, which I hear is very good. It's it's yeah, it was really good. And then they, it's kind of one of those shows where they have an interesting concept. Um, basically, it's a show where the park, the Parks and Rec guy made a show. And I assumed I was getting into another show that was like Parks and Rec or The Office. And it's really not. Basic premise is that there's a good place and a bad place when you die. You know, basic heaven and hell construct without saying it. Um, Kristen Bell wakes up and she's there. Ted Danson works there telling her how she was a really good person. You know, all that stuff. And she deserves to be here. And this isn't really spoiling anything because you find out like seven minutes into the episode. But she turns out she's not the person they think she is. So, yeah, it's kind of a show that has an interesting concept. It kind of it reminds me a bit of Pushing Daisies. Which was a show like this, like a funny show that like dealt with like kind of an interesting concept like this. They used to be on back in the day. Um, it kind they kind of ran out of. It seems like in the second season they've kind of run out of ideas or how where this thing is going to go. Um, it's a little bit. It's not as good, and the budget might have gotten slashed because there's way fewer extras. But it's interesting concept. It's definitely the first season. Definitely good enough to uh, give it a shot, and maybe you guys like it a little bit more. But it's overall, it's a, it's a solid show. I'm gonna keep going with it. So, yeah, I talked a lot right now. Stefan, what do you got? <laughs> um, two things for me. One a little bit on the heavier end um, and one on a lighter no- – and I'll end it on a lighter note. Um, one of the things I like uh, is the safety features of the Scion XB. Um, Scion has been folded as a brand into Toyota now. I don't know how that's going to work. Is it still going to be – are they still going to make the same models and it's going to be the Toyota XB? I don't um, know if they're continuing the models, but – okay. Yeah, I got, anyways, it was always a sub-brand, but just getting folded into Toyota itself. Um, the reason I mentioned this is, uh, unfortunately, if you know me, um, you might have already known. I was in a very bad car accident on Saturday evening. I got T-boned at an intersection one block away from where I live. Um, spun out. It was scary. Driver side, is uh, I was hit. Uh, airbags deployed. Car totaled. Um... But uh, I don't know if I'm secretly Bruce Willis and Unbreakable or not yet, but uh, I walked away relatively unharmed. I'm very fortunate. Um, I didn't suffer any severe injuries, anything internal, broken, concussion. I just got a lot of bruises and uh, sprained muscles throughout my body right now. But um, if all that happens on a driver's side collision that totals your car, I will take it. Um, Feeling very happy to be in good health right now, to have family that was there to look after me. So just thankful for that and uh, thankful to the good people at the Toyota brand who built their cars with safety in mind because um, car accidents, I know we kind of just look past the commercials, but they're very sudden. They happen in an instant and they couldn't forever alter your life. Um, Yeah, safety matters in cars and um, I'm very fortunate that my car uh, was up to the snuff um unfortunately that 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 event kind of kind of negatively colored what was a really fun weekend um this weekend in the bay area was the Crunchyroll expo um and i was supposed to take my niece and nephew my niece wasn't feeling so great so she had to stay home but um my nephew went um for those of you who don't know Crunchyroll is the preeminent like anime and like k-drama j-drama like streaming service 
in the United States and I believe Europe as well. I don't think they have it out there. They don't use it out there in Asia, but I have friends who live in England who uh, talk about watching things through Crunchyroll. Um, having mentioned, you know, stuff like My Hero Academia, Attack on Titan, being fans of Dragon Ball Super and all that stuff, um, you know, Crunchyroll is kind of the biggest area people get to watch it. And uh, the Bay Area, which has lost a lot of their nerd conventions to Southern California or other places lately, uh, Crunchyroll Expo was treated like a massive expo. It was treated like this is one of the main events for the anime community. Um, vendors and people were coming in from Japan, from New York. Like they were bringing in a pretty big uh, crew of like of who's who. If you're into uh, this particular nerd fandom, it was really cool. Um, my nephew had a great time. I usually connect with my niece about anime more than my nephew, um, so he was just trying to learn. He he knows some, but he's trying to get into things. Uh, God bless him. The kid looks up to me a lot, so he's uh, started watching Naruto because he knows it's my favorite. And the shirt he bought there was uh, Mike will know the pattern. It's a t-shirt with that all over red Akatsuki cloud pattern. Um, so that he saw that shirt gravitated to the design. It's great because uh, that was a character group of my favorite character from Naruto. I'm getting a little in the weeds of my anime nerddom there, but that was really fun. Um, I always enjoy these conventions. Um, as someone who has had a lot of nerdy hobbies growing up, it wasn't always so mainstream. It wasn't always so cool to like it. Um, and I like these conventions because they are a safe space for nerds. Um, this are where nerds really appreciate things. People make homemade costumes and like you give high fives to them. You know, you take photos of them because it's just meant to be a celebration of these things we love. And um, I think conventions are really cool, whatever the topic may be, because that's what they do, right? They bring together all these people who have a mutual love or passion for something, whatever it is. Um, you know, and it's cool to just see your people in that regard. Um, so with the exception of the uh, laugh, life flashing before my eyes moment, um, you know, it's been a pretty fun Labor Day weekend. Mark. Yeah, so I got a couple things this week. Um, you know, I have to mention uh, what an incredible week this is for video games. Um, as you guys are listening to this right now, um, Dragon Quest Eleven is coming out finally in the States. Uh, Dragon Quest is like the most popular, I'd probably just say game, in Japan. Uh, it was kind of the originator of what we consider to be Japanese role-playing games. Um, I was really fortunate, you know, when, I, when we got to visit Mike, uh, one of my goals was to pick up a Japanese import game for PS4 that wasn't in the States yet. And I picked up Dragon Quest XI and I played maybe an hour of it in Japanese. I couldn't tell really what was going on. I was trying to use my Google Translate to figure out and it, it, it did an okay job. I figured out that he was supposed to get married to this woman or whatever. Um, but yeah, it's a extremely traditional turn-based Japanese RPG. Um, and it's reviewed really well, and I'm very excited to um, to finally get to try it out and understand what the hell's going on. Uh, but probably the, the bigger elephant in the room this week is um, PS4's exclusive Spider-Man game is finally coming out uh, this Friday. They teased this, I think, two years ago at E3. The first trailer they showed just looked unreal. It looked like there's no way what we saw in that trailer would be indicative of the actual game we would get. Um, being this close to release, it seems like that's true, even though there's there's been a little bit of a Reddit controversy with really <laughs> hardcore fans nitpicking some of the, like, the shittiest... Literally, there was a trailer... The fucking puddle? Yeah, there is a trailer <laughs> where they're fighting in this, uh, in this building that's being constructed, 
And uh, in, in the first trailer they show, there's this big puddle where these guys are fighting. And I guess in more recent footage of that same stage, the puddle's not nearly as big. And everyone's saying, and the big thing that's been going on in the gaming community is people uh, accusing developers of downgrading their games, essentially showing trailers that look much better than the game actually comes out, which is something that does happen. And it's, it's kind of funny because it's a reason why a lot of developers don't like to show their games early to the public is because these are works in progress. You know, what they show in a demo or a trailer is a small vertical slice of what the whole game's going to be. When you actually create the whole game, sometimes you have to make adjustments to make it run at a certain frame rate to make sure that it's an enjoyable experience for the fans. And sometimes it doesn't quite look um, as good as the original trailer was. Um, funny we mentioned all this um, earlier this week. They uh, At E3 and at Gamescom last week, uh, CD Projekt Red had been showing a 45 gameplay, 45 minute gameplay demonstration of their upcoming game Cyberpunk 2077. Um, as someone that follows the industry, I was really interested in hoping they would release that video. Um, it didn't seem like they were going to. Um, they didn't do it uh, previously on their uh, last project, The Witcher 3. But actually, this last week, they released the whole 45 minute video. Um, that game looks fantastic too. Uh, but yeah, going back, Spider Man looks really cool. Um, as you guys are listening to this on Tuesday, the reviews will be out. So hopefully that kind of confirms the quality that we've seen. Um, but really excited for that. There was one more thing I wanted to mention that I've been enjoying this week. Uh, I think it might have been even late last week. Uh, stories came out that Nickelodeon was going to be providing some other shows on a streaming service. I thought that was really cool. When I actually read the article, um, they're they're providing their uh, content on a service called VRV, which completely randomly I was already subscribed to. VRV, kind of like what Steph mentioned before, is a offshoot of Crunchyroll. And essentially, if you subscribe to VRV, you get a bunch of other streaming services included. Uh, Crunchyroll, Funimation, um, like Stefan mentioned with Crunchyroll, they have a bunch of Korean um, uh, soap operas and dramas. Um, but they also got, um, there was a streaming service from NBC called CISO, and they had a lot of original content on there. And when CISO went under, all the shows went to VRV, and that's why I picked it up. So to see, like, oh, randomly, this thing I'm subscribing to has all these old Nickelodeon shows, I thought I'd give it a shot. And they have a pretty good swath of the old classic Nickelodeon shows. There's a few things missing. They're missing Hey Arnold. They're missing Rugrats. Um, but basically, all of the main shows you would watch, um, you know, in the 90s are all there. Um, one thing that I'm not a huge, you know, I wish they had more of them because it seems like most shows have a season, maybe two. So um, I've been enjoying Are You Afraid of the Dark again? I watched uh, a few episodes of Doug. Um, it's just real. And, and, and also Legends of the Hidden Temple. And one thing I really like watching those old um, combat, not combat, uh, competitive shows is just watching little kids struggle to do seemingly not super difficult things, but like they're just small and awkward and they don't have the muscle strength. To, like, I mean, come on. The Shrine of the Silver Monkey was three goddamn pieces. It was three it was, pieces. I remember, yeah, watching as a kid, it, like, it would confuse me, but we watched, me and Christine watched the first episode of Legend of the Hidden Temple and usually the first little game they do is something in the pool and you guys that game probably took them 12 minutes they didn't cut a fucking second because two it took a while for the first team to get it then it was a good two minutes until the next team got it and then there was this, they just needed like two more teams and it was like a hard 10 minute of just seeing little kids trying to throw this inflatable inner tube across the pool and they could not get it across it's just like dude cut this shit 
And what's funny is like the next time they have like these games, they give the kids a, a minute time limit and they cut that shit. <laughs> you see the clock go from 30 seconds to like 18. It's like you're going to cut like 12 seconds from this one, but you wouldn't cut minutes out of that other show. It's just like, all right, whatever. There's also, you know, when they do the quiz show, they tell them a little story. And they, they do the quiz. There's a couple times where he's asking the questions. The kid knows the answer. So he steps on the, the button and he gives the correct answers to the question, but it wasn't one of the multiple choice answers that Almanac was giving. So they get it wrong. It's like, dude, you just told us they scared the pirates by killing the other pirates. You didn't even answer your own question. Right. I was like, oh, my God. So fun to uh, to watch. A lot of nostalgia watching that stuff. Um, and also, I mean, um, as someone that not super into anime and stuff, uh, I've always really liked VRV. Um, they have all these CISO shows, which kind of got me into it. But anytime I'm going to watch My Hero Academia or any of those shows, you know, I just go to VRV, no commercials. Um, and now they have all the Nickelodeon stuff. So really kind of a cool service that... I imagine a lot of people don't know about because I only knew about it because shit I was watching moved over there. So um, definitely a service to check out. I've personally enjoyed it a lot. I I wonder if because I'm subscribed to Crunchyroll if I have it already. I'm not sure. Maybe. It, it, I guess it was because I didn't even know what... I didn't think I was paying that much for it. And I read the Nickelodeon thing was on their premium account. And I was like, oh, I might not be paying that much. But I think it's like 10 bucks a month. I hopped on and I had all that shit. So I was like, maybe I'm paying 10 bucks a month. Maybe I got grandfathered into a different version of it. I honestly have no idea, but I've enjoyed the service. You know, I probably watch it more than some of the other stuff I pay for. So not too bad. Pretty cool. Uh, so I guess I'll, I'll finish this off. Um, I binge watched all eight episodes of um, Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan yesterday. Uh, for those of you that don't know what that is, um, Tom Clancy, he's uh, famous for his Hunt for Red October, and that's basically the only one I know from those movies. Rainbow Six? Yeah. Well, Just start talking about the games, Rainbow yeah. Six. Well, I, I was going to go with the, with the games as well that I think uh, a lot of us might know him from, Rainbow Six, Blender Cell, and all of uh, those books and video games. Um, I mean, Jack Ryan is essentially like, american james bond yes is that pretty yeah. much what he is my, 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 my before you go into too much i as someone who's vaguely interested i gotta ask you this question i mean there's already a movie with tom cruise and now it's i can't remember his name it's, it's Chris Jim Pine. The Office. well yeah but like i mean there's also a movie with um affleck played him there's another movie yeah, there's two movies with Har cool, Mark, you don't mean harrison ford you mean chris pine jack uh jack ryan shadow recruit no, I think Tom Cruise might have played him twice. I know uh, what's his name played him Tom twice. Cruise. Tom Cruise oh. played Jack Reacher. That's what I, yeah. Okay, that's Insane. why I'm being confused. Yeah, okay, no, because I'm getting, like, but this role has been played by Affleck played Jack Ryan. Alec Baldwin played Jack Ball Jack Ryan. Affleck did it in some of all fears. Hunter Hunt for Red October. I think it was, was a Jack Alec Ryan Baldwin. movie. That was uh, Alec Baldwin. Harrison Ford and played him. Patriot Games and Clear and Present Danger. Right. I don't know. I so just yeah, so I, the, the question day. still remains. Um, I, again, I forgot his name, uh, Jim from The Office. I, he's getting more serious roles. He has more depth than just a comedy. But how, this always seemed to me to be a much more kind of actiony kind of stuff because he was in a quiet place and that was kind of more of a horror. But he kind of took on the bravado of you know a self-made man, a person that can take care of himself. Like, how does he acquit himself in a more actiony role? Does he? Do you buy it as a this is a person that you can fear, or is it still just 
Jim looks in the camera and raises an eyebrow and he can't well, get away. Marcus, I will Great. let you know this is not his first action role. He was uh I forget what movie he was in, but he was in a war movie maybe about two, three years ago that got pretty good reviews for him. I thought that a, was an ensemble an though. Guy. Like he had a bunch of other guys too because this seems more like like well, it, was still, it was still jim from the I'm office on, being an I, action but, guy but my thing is like i go to ign right huge fucking full page banners of him and fucking bulletproof armor with a machine gun and i'm like i don't know i still see jim i still expect him to look at the camera and give me an eyebrow so um, i want to know how does he equip no there, there's none of the other rye to the camera in this one um he, he's really good in it i really enjoyed it so oh. overall Thumbs up. Uh, overall, I would give it, I would give it one and a half thumbs up. Uh, me personally, I don't understand some of the reviews that say it gets an A for adequacy. Um, I really enjoyed it. As soon as I started watching it, um, I started watching it off of the recommendation of our friend Sal and his uh, fiance, and they said that it started off slow. Um, I think for me, it's just, you know, you got to do a little exposition in a in a show like that. So for me, the, the pace of the first episode was still very good. Um, I have never watched Hunt for Red October. I've never watched any Jack Ryan movie. I They're all good. I pretty much just watched this because it was Jim from The Office. And this uh, might cause me to go back and watch those movies. I'm a big fan of Hunt for Red October specifically. Hunt for Red October. It's the one where a Soviet sub, where Sean Connery's playing a Russian, he goes rogue. And uh, Gr um, Greer, I guess he's a big big guy as well. Um, he's played by uh, Bunk from, uh, what's that show called? The Wire. Fair enough. Um, I think that's it, guys. It's episode 300. We did it. We made it in the book. 300, ep 300 episodes. 300 more. Ball ballpark. I'm going to say 400 hours. You know what? We, we're Maybe at episode a little less. 300. We got a Persian on this podcast. Yo, Bobby, is there anyone that can kick you into a pit right now? Mark's Greek. Mm, that's true. <laughs> Taking over. <laughs> yeah. As you guys saw in that movie, all the Persians are like eight feet tall. Gay as hell. And just look Brazilian. <laughs> and, let's, and let's not forget, they think it's a good uh, strategy to fight, like in a loincloth. Well, both sides do actually. In that, yo, movie. that's I remember. I remember going to see that movie, and all the weed had worn off. Are you telling like me that's not in. an accurate <laughs> depiction of Persians? Yeah, no that, that that was basically a documentary you guys saw. That was the Battle of Thermopylae was exactly like that. It's exactly how that shit went down. <laughs> Mark people did not take kindly to the disabled. They shunned them and wouldn't let them have a profession. Yeah, that was it. You know, they, they, they were the they were the the freedom people. That's what the Greeks were. That, that's what that, that's what they are all about. Um, thank you guys all for listening. Um, I like doing this. These are my friends, so we're gonna keep doing it. Um, UFC two. What are we on? Two twenty eight. Um, is a good one, man. Um, I imagine. We're going to be talking about the results of this one, quite frankly, either way. Because, I mean, the UFC could just give away that Covington fight all of a sudden right here. We just All that time building up Covington and Woodley for nothing. Um, and then we're going to talk about the UFC going to Russia in a stadium. 
which it'll be interesting. Holds thirty five thousand people. Which if thirty five thousand people watch Mark Hunt beat up a Russian. It's gonna be exciting for everybody, quite frankly. Um, all right, guys, that was episode three hundred. Thank you all for listening. We'll be back next week, as I mentioned. Um, let's get our outro music going. I feel we've had this outro. We've had this outro music for or intro and outro music for at least two hundred of those episodes, right? Yeah, we used to just pull random songs. I thought that was always fun. <laughs> that was fun, and then I, I threw cold water on that eventually. Um, yeah. If anybody really wants to listen to our old episodes, they just can't. They're bad. But you um, all right, guys. Bobby, he'll give you the episodes. <laughs> maybe. Maybe, as long as we haven't violated any copyrights in those episodes. All right, guys. Thank you for listening, and peace out. See you. Later. Later.